it was the first time I'd ever experienced um, a therapy that respected and allowed me to create the boundaries. So as before, everything was intrusive. Your trauma takes away your barriers and your boundaries and, and even your rights, so you think. And therapists come dive, diving in to your brain, extracting all the information and, and wanting answers and you've got to try and explain. Hi, I'm Naomi Murphy and this is the Locked Up Living podcast where we talk with a wide range of people about harsh aspects of institutional life. We also explore some of the ways to overcome them and to grow and develop. I'm David Jones. So join us every Wednesday morning, 6 o'clock UK time for a fresh podcast. So today we're delighted to welcome along Ali Coles and Neil Winter. Ali is an art psychotherapist with Gloucestershire Health and Care NHS Foundation Trust and visiting lecturer at the University of South Wales. She's also associate editor of the International Journal of Art Therapy. She's also co-editor of Art Psychotherapy and Innovation, New Territories, Techniques and Technologies, which was published in July. Neil Winter is a barrister in construction law. He's also co-author of a chapter titled Curiosity, Creativity and Innovation in Art Therapy in Ali's forthcoming book. And together they co-authored The Silent Intermediary, which is an exploration of a client's experience of art psychotherapy for complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Welcome. Morning. Hi, Ali and Neil. It's really nice to meet you both. I feel like I've known you for a long time, but uh, actually it's our first time of meeting. So we really enjoyed and appreciated having your publication. Can you tell us how you came to be writing this paper together? Neil, would you? Well, I think as it was instigated by Ali, I think Ali's best position to answer I was just going to ask for you to go first, Neil, because it's your story. But yes, I can give a bit of context to it. Um, basically, uh, Neil and I work together in therapy, me as the therapist and Neil as the therapy um, for a number of months. And uh, I was really struck during the therapy by the insights that Neil had into the process, the therapeutic process that was going on in the room. Um, and it, it really gave me pause for thought um, often as we went along. And I'm not quite sure, you know, how the suggestion came up in the first place, where it came from, but it just kind of evolved this sense that it would be really good to capture Neil's experience of the therapy and to um, explore it a bit and just see what we could learn from it. Uh, so um, after the therapy had finished, um, we left a few months and then we started working together um, on, on, yeah, exploring Neil's experience. Neil, do you want to say a bit more about it? Hmm. Well, I, I think it, for me it was, um, it was a dual experience because I was receiving art therapy. Um, but in experiencing the, the benefits and the efficacy of the art therapy, I was having lots of wow moments. Lots of, wow, does anybody else know how good this is? Wow, this is really effective. Why, why has nobody told me about this before? And, and, I, and I had um, a real desire to, to kind of shout it to the world. Look how good this is. And um, I remember having conversations about how it would be really good if I could take my experience and use it to, to benefit others, to, to, to show other people that there's a real pathway out to what I was um, suffering. Um, so we had quite a few discussions about that. And I think Ali identified that opportunity to be able to publish something together that could not only 
communicate the benefits of art therapy, but have it published on a, on a wider scale, both to therapists and, and recipients like myself, therapies. So, um, so it's from those wow moments, really. I, I think that they were the first seeds of why we'd want to, to write a paper such as this. Thank you. That's, that's brilliant. And uh, I have to say that um, often when I go and visit and review therapeutic communities in the community and in prisons, I often encounter that uh, uh, wow feedback from people about the art therapy they're engaged in. So it's terribly interesting you mention it. So Neil, was mm. art therapy your first experience of psychological therapies? How did art therapy contrast with other forms of help or treatment? Well, the first half of that question is very poignant because I always wish it had been my first experience of, of psychotherapy because I think that would have negated all the other journeys through therapies that I'd taken with little or no benefit or result. So uh, every kind of therapy you can think of short of ECT has been experimented upon me, if I can say that, um, both with no result at all. Um, because my condition does not respond to talking therapies, um, no matter how hard um, the um, relevant um, psychiatrists have tried, and they have tried hard. Um, and also down the medication route, medication, my condition does not respond, and most people's trauma does not respond to, to, to medication. So having been offered all those forms of help um, and come to a dead end, it was almost an afterthought. Oh, well, why don't you go try a bit of art therapy then? You know, you failed as a patient. Um, you've obviously not responded to our gold standard treatment. And so go off and make some pictures. Um, so, so that's how I ended up, is the phrase, I think. Ended up in art therapy. But immediately the contrast was, was incredible. Um, because um, there's a long conversation around it, but it, it was a way of accessing your issue without being triggered, a way of avoiding all those mental blocks that forbid you from speaking about your experience, um, that made it unique in the way you could access um, your pain, as it were, your, your, your mental anguish, without becoming pained or mentally anguished. So, so it, the, the contrast is, is, is immense, it's day and night. Thank you, that's a, that's a beautiful description. Ali, what, what does a typical art therapy session look like? Well, I would say there isn't a typical art therapy session. Uh, I suppose mm. that um, the thing that makes an art therapy session an art therapy session would be the availability of art materials. Um, not necessarily that they're even always used, but there's always a sense of using metaphor, maybe, and, and visual images in, in some way. But for me, one of the fantastic things about art psychotherapy is its flexibility and adaptability to the client or the therapy, as Neil likes to call himself. Um, so, uh, you know, it may be that somebody comes into the room and simply starts art making straight away and we, we see what emerges through that art making process as, as well as the product. Um, it may be that somebody comes in and we start talking and we identify a focus and then it becomes a sort of focused piece of art making that's then uh, reflected on at the end. 
Um, but it really is different for everybody. Um, and I think it is about having that creative process available to the client um, to use in whatever way fits their particular needs. Mm. Mm. I, I would echo those comments because if there was such a thing as a typical art therapy session, um, you know, behaviours or structure that typified a particular session, that would hem in and fetter any expression because you'd just go through that rigidity of performance because you're going to a typical session. Whereas having no boundaries, no rules, no typical session allows you to explore deeper and greater beyond the boundaries of what you're expecting. So without those limitations, without those echoes of institutional um, treatment, you're, you're, you're more liberated and also you're less pressured because there's no need to perform to that typical session and therefore go away feeling I was a failure, I wasn't typical today, I was subtypical. Or I did really well today because I was over-typical. You're just you. Are there ever people who have the opposite experience of that, who perhaps feel more inhibited by, um, by the unknown nature of it? I think there are a lot of people that um, feel quite scared of the art making, definitely, you know, to, to start with. Um, yeah, that, that idea of just, you know, picking up a, even a felt pen or whatever, it might be something that they haven't done for years and years and there's all the judgment that comes in, you know, is my art good enough? And that's obviously something that, that needs to be, um, you know, thought about and explored. But I think as Neil says in the article, often that's part of the building of the trust in the therapeutic relationship is that acceptance of the artworks, whatever is produced is is the right thing in that moment um, and it's absolutely not about you know creating beautiful artworks um, I mean in terms of you know the kind of you know the freedom of sessions as opposed to perhaps having a little bit more structure I mean that that does depend on on the client um, and certainly some clients like to have a little bit more structure like to have a, perhaps a focus for the session that's developed together whereas other people um, really like that feeling of being very much in control of the session. So, um, yeah, it's, it's about really fitting the approach to the client, as for any therapy. Thank you. Neil, in, in the article you used some beautiful quotes from artists to frame the structure of your article. And you begin with a quote from Edward Hopper, who's one of my favourite artists. The quote is, if I could say it in words, there'll be no reason to paint. So this is quite striking because you're clearly highly educated and qualified in the understanding and use of, of words. Can you talk us through why this quote was so relevant for you? Um, yes, um, for me it, it, it's very poignant because um, especially in, in situations where people are struggling with trauma and, and in my own case complex post-traumatic stress disorder uh, their, their symptomology emanates from um, childhood experiences and the, the only leverage that the people who perpetrate trauma on other people have because these things are done in the open they don't keep you prisoner you're still walking among the general populace the only leverage they have on you is their ability to psychologically mute you, to tell you never to speak. And in fact, 
they're so great at it that the, the fear of speaking overwhelms you and you're unable to communicate your trauma for the rest of your life. And often attempts to communicate that trauma can further traumatize you and suppress it deeper. And so there's really no way out of that mire if they've been very successful. Um, so words are, are something that you don't have in order to communicate your experience. And indeed the experiences you have are often outside the normal realms of vocabulary. What, what words do we have? What language do we have to convey such horrors and such trauma? It, it's not a general vocabulary. And if, if, you're, if you're less educated, I never went to school, so I had no vocabulary and no education and no means to communicate or wrap words around the experiences I'd had. And, and so that rule, you must never speak, becomes indelibly embossed upon your brain and, and becomes a door you can never pass. But they never tell you you can't paint, that you can't draw, that you can't express. And, and so that quote for me um, said everything. You know, if I could say it in words, I, I wouldn't need to paint. But thank God I can paint. So it became quite a, a, a poignant um, quote for myself. And, you know, like you say, you can, you can become very... Um, garrulous and, and verbose and very expressive and I've done lots of public speaking um, and, and, and that's fine but you're hiding behind a script it's not you, it's a point you're presenting uh, and even in court or in various high tense situations um, legally you're still playing somebody else's role uh, but when you speak of yourself that's a much more personal matter and um, I enjoy the quote from Nietzsche that says we have art in order that we don't dive the truth. Uh, and so now art has become a very poignant thing in my life because you know, it, it ameliorates the, the symptoms of my own truth, if that makes sense. Thank you, that's, that's uh, very powerful, Neil. Mm -hmm. So Ali, I understand that art therapy is relatively scarce in the NHS. Are people who struggle to articulate distress a bigger priority for art therapists than people who might find it relatively easy to use other talking therapies? Yes, I mean often you'll get a team of therapists um, and you'll have one person who's an art psychotherapist within that team so I think that's absolutely right and you know Neil's expressed it really well as you know, there's there's people who maybe can't find the words at all because of, you know, early trauma and there's perhaps no words or, you know, they're prohibited from, from speaking. Um, people who are very, very articulate, like Neil, um, and can kind of, you know, maybe talk around the subject, um, but, but not really get into the, the heart of it. So, uh, yes, I think, I think, you know, I tend to be referred people who... Um, would struggle with the purely talking therapy so i think it's so important to have that additional way of working available within a team and do you think it gets sorry do you think it gets a high enough priority within the health service I don't think so i think there need to be a lot more art psychotherapists um i know neil's got opinions about that yeah, I, I think it's, um, having gone through many um, private clinics, NHS wards and all the other um, treatments that's been offered, art therapy being the, 
the last resort, as it were, it, it now to me is, is offensive because it's clearly a way of triaging people. If people come to you, if you went to the A&E unconscious, they wouldn't wait until you woke up to explain what was hurting, you know? And if you go to the A&E of um, mental health, as it were, and you, you can't speak because you're traumatized, art therapy is a great way of triaging. It's a great way of helping people to, to express where they are without further traumatizing them. Uh, and, 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 in, and, in, and actually, it's quite... Um, sophophoric and, and, and anaesthetizing to be able to to express things without being triggered um, so for me <clears throat> the complete lack of art therapy in the NHS is anathema and an aberration and I'll do all that I can to make sure that people listen um, and, and <clears throat> we strive harder to get funding um, especially working in the local community in, in, in Stroud um, you know if we can start on a local level bashing our MPs which I'm doing next week um, or meeting with the, the Gloucestershire Mental Health Services and, and flying the flag, then hopefully you know, people and a lot more people will get more efficacious treatment earlier. Brilliant, thank you. It struck me as you were both talking that in some ways it shares some commonalities with uh, body-based therapies that I think there are a lot of people who go for talking therapy that can get into talking very cognitively about their experiences but ultimately the emotional self doesn't really change in response to the to the to the to the um conversation that that's had and um, the body allows a route into the emotion and it strikes me that art is likely to work in a very similar way that in somehow you bypass the the cognitive meaning making part of ourselves that can sometimes get be a barrier to to actually processing something that's going on at a deeper level mm. that that's such a great point because um I've often spent hours in, in, in therapy sessions um, thinking I'm communicating quite clearly and cogently what's going on for me. Um, and then after recovering from the trauma of that session, going along to the next session to hear the psychiatrist explain back to me a completely different story and thinking, well, there was a lot lost in translation there. And it's very frustrating uh, and it keeps retrog it's retrograding in that you're never really taking, you're taking two steps forward and three steps back. Um, whereas a piece of art sits between you and it is what it is, uh, immutable and unchangeable. So you, you definitely advance quicker um, through the process of art therapy, I'd say. I mean, there's very close links between the sort of body-based therapies and art therapy. I mean, obviously in art therapy, you're, you're moving you know, and, and there's, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, approaches which would actually focus on those movements that you're making as you're doing the, you know, the artwork, um, you know, the, the feel of the materials, you know, the sounds, there's all those things. So, yeah, as you say, Naomi, bringing, bringing people into their bodies, you know, where the, where the trauma's held. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's a really, really crucial part of the art therapy process and the way that it can tap into what we might be holding unconsciously. Um, so everybody who trains um, as an art therapist has had experience themselves of, of being a client. You know, we have our own therapy during the training and um, so we all sort of know that the, the way that art can touch us very, very deeply. I was also thinking as you were talking that, you know, there are, there are models of therapy where uh, clients, the, the therapy is encouraged to 
um, access their vulnerable child part and as you said kind of like for many people picking up a felt tip pen or paints and or um, messing around with any any sort of artistic material for many people that's something they did in childhood and didn't do later on so I wonder whether the medium kind of like lends itself to getting into a vulnerable child mode by virtue of of using art materials that's a really good point Naomi because when I examine look back over the drawings that I created the ones where I was accessing the most painful memories were very childlike they're very simple comparative to the art that I can produce now and it, it's striking that if you put them on the table together, you'd say one was produced by a child and one was produced by an adult. So that, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. So, Neil, what was it like to start off with committing your art to, to paper? Was that scary? Were you apprehensive or was that something you easily slid straight into? No, no, it was, it was scary as hell. <laughs> um, there's a lot of judgment around art. No matter what your circumstance, you, you, you produce a piece of art and, and the first thing you do is say, what do you think to that? You know, with your heart trembling and, oh, what they're going to say, and what's the judgment? That's awful. That's what's, that's, there's no perspective. That's terrible, you know. Um, and also, my, my last experience of art w w was as a child. Um, and in a world where there's a lot of judgment, condemnation, and I was the worst thing that, that was ever created. So my own self-judgment was coming in as well. How could I ever produce anything meaningful? Um, and there's, so there's a lot of internal wrangling around just producing art. And so when I first started, it was rudimentary patterns or it was colours or just circles and squiggles. And, and it was kind of a, a, a bait on the hook to, to Ali. How, how does that look, Ali? Uh, and looking for her response. And, and there was no judgment. I, I, I couldn't infer any judgment at all. And there are often times where we just sit together and, and squiggle patterns or, or, or colours on the paper. And that for me was laying the foundation, the footings, as it were, to say, it doesn't matter what you produce, it, it, it's what's coming out while you're producing. Uh, and, and so my focus moved away from what I was doing on the paper and more to why I wanted to produce what I did on the paper. Um, so yes, it, 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 it can be scary, but... I think Hallie had the right approach. Um, it's neither, you're not saying, oh, jolly well done, and you're thinking, no, that's just a squiggle, you know? And, and it wasn't, oh, you could do better. There was just an acceptance and a space to do it. But you're touching on something really important there, aren't you? Because I think a big part of what people struggle with is their own self-judgments about, you know, looking back and thinking, oh, I, I should have done behave differently I should have been different and the fact that art brings that self-judgment right into the foreground um, perhaps again gives it a, another advantage that might not be there in ordinary conversation in quite such a such a forthright way uh, yes that, that, that's a good point because remember you're going to the to, to the art therapy process because you are in need of therapy there are things that you need to address and problems that you're experiencing that make normal everyday things very very difficult for you so you do come with the, the judgment that you held as a child that was given to you from others and if you're coming there with trauma then your judgment is pretty damning uh, and there's a lot of guilt and a lot of walls to climb over but that's the same in, in any therapy i'd say and, and, and to try and verbalize that and communicate it well that would just make the 
the, the walls, impenetrable and unclimbable for me. So it was a lot easier. Ali, people talk a lot about providing trauma-informed services these days, which is ultimately about enabling people to feel safe, isn't it? How does art therapy do this? Well, I think it does it in a number of different ways, actually. Um, I think the actual act of um, using art materials can be really grounding for people. So that, that, you know, doing something in a session rather than just sitting there, you know, facing a therapist, um, which could feel very, very scary, um, very, very challenging. Um, the idea of being able to focus on something else that lies between you and the therapist I think it can really give a sense of safety in itself. You know, we can encourage people to use maybe soft materials, you know, soft pastels and, and you know, just, just to kind of have that sense of, of, of being grounded and, and being in the room. Um, I think the other thing that art psychotherapy uh, does quite well is allowing uh, the client um, some appropriate control of the therapy sessions. So, I mean, Neil's talked about that, you know, the sort of, being able to kind of pace the um you know the, the speed of progress and regulating the depth of the of the trauma work that's going on you know moving in and out it might be one week for something you know expressed that's really quite quite deep and painful and then the next week kind of moving out again and doing perhaps kind of soothing art making um and i think the you know the client is in, is in control of that artistic process and that gives them um a, a really available way of, of regulating the um the pace and the depth of sessions um another thing that, that you know neil's talked about um just now is that that acceptance you know the acceptance of the artworks and how that can create a sense of safety and also something else he's remarked on um in the article is is the storage of the artworks you know the fact that um, whatever is made is, is stored away in a confidential folder it's locked away it's kept um it's left in the room you know it's actually physically left in the room and the kind of safety that's that's around that that the therapist is taking care of this these painful expressions often very painful um, and then finally, you know, we talk about the um, the triangular relationship in art psychotherapy. So it's not just therapist and therapy, there's the artwork as well. And I mean, the title of the article we've written together is, you know, the, 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 is about an intermediary. Yeah, so it's between the, the therapist and the therapy and that sense of joint witnessing. So whatever is produced, um, it's the therapist and the therapy making sense of that together. Um, and I think there's such safety in that um, that side by side. It's a very, very side by side type of therapy. Um, it's absolutely not about the therapist interpreting what people create. And that's often a misconception right at the beginning. It is about the therapist helping the therapy to make sense of their creative expressions. <clears throat> That's really interesting. I was particularly interested to um, hear your comments about the fact that you have a, you know, there's something tangible and it stays in the room because having worked for a long time in prisons with people who are very, very frightened of their stories being shared at the pub, you know, being spoken about. And actually, of course, with art, you don't have the same sense of something to share, do you? Because you've got something that's that's on paper that can't just be leaked or or blabbed out, I guess. I think there's a there's a nice point to be made as well that 
in, in our everyday life. We, we share such mundane things. We work together, we meet at the coffee machine, we see each other at the shops. Life's very mundane. Um, and the only real connection are around soulful things. So, so if you dance with somebody, or if you go through an experience with somebody, or, or, or go climbing on one of those things across the top of the trees, you're exhilarated, it's soulful, and you've shared something. And there's a, there's a deeper connection on another level there. So the next time you see that person, you've got that smile between you that says, yeah, we shared an experience. We're closer than we would normally be. And, and for me, going through the process of creating art is a very soulful thing. And I think there's a lot of examinations that need, need to be done around how you um, accelerate the closeness and the trust that develops between the therapist and the therapy through art, because you have a shared art experience outside the mundane of life. And so that, that for me is, is a, it's almost a sense of magic. There's a stepping over some of the barriers towards trust in a very um, expedited manner. And so that feeling of safety People have, therapies like myself, have a, a much more relaxed feeling and sense of safety with someone we shared art and soul with than someone we just shared words with. That's such a beautiful way of putting that. Thank you, Neil. Mm. Ali, does art therapy offer any advantages for those who've experienced gross boundary violations? Yes, I've been thinking about this. Um, and thinking about, um, you know, the artwork being almost a kind of... Uh, a concrete symbol of a psychological boundary you know it, it's something that is you know between the therapist and the therapy that's in the charge of the therapy you know and as I said before the therapist doesn't know you know by, by doing an artwork the artwork the therapist doesn't instantly know you know your deepest darkest secrets um, so it's it's you know it's really in control of the of the therapy and um, I mean, I'm thinking sometimes people might make something but then not want to show it to the therapist. You know, so again, it's, it's, it's so much in somebody's control. It might be several weeks or months before they're actually ready to show that. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a boundary that's, that's flexible and permeable, but it's in the control of the client. You know, they can decide how soon they want to use it as a communication or whether for a while it just needs to sit between them and the therapist until they feel um, that they can yeah, open up some channels within the artwork. So, um, you know, it relates back to the conversation, doesn't it, about safety. And I think, you know, it can feel a much less intrusive form of therapy. Can I add just a little point to that? It's that um, obviously from my young teens onward, having gone through various institutions and various therapies and, uh, and, and everything else, my whole journey towards art therapy. It was the first time I'd ever experienced um, a therapy that respected and allowed me to create the boundaries. So as before, everything was intrusive, your trauma takes away your barriers and your boundaries and, and, and even your rights, so you think, and therapists come dive, diving in to your brain, extracting all the information and, and wanting answers and you've got to try and explain. And, and, and so there's very little uh, between you and them, between your boundaries and the world. Whereas art therapy, you sit in a room and you start to build the boundaries. You have the control, you say what you're going to release and you say what you're going to share. And there's no question diving in like some grab hook trying to draw it out of you. And so it was the first time ever 
ever that someone had looked across the table at me instead of insisting, you know, I've got the answer for you, I've got the therapy, I've got your truth and I know how to heal you. Them looking at me saying, where's your truth? Where's your healing? It all lies with you. And that was an incredible difference that my boundaries remained intact all the way through. That, that strikes me also as being there within the paper. I think um, therapists often write papers about, if they write papers about um, people that they've worked with, sometimes they do that by producing a, a kind of like a hodgepodge of, of different parts of people that are there to display, um, you know, a particular technique, for instance, or serve as an example, and it isn't one true person. Other times people are talking about a person who's anonymized, but it strikes me that there's a lot more respect and power sharing by producing a paper in the way that you you guys have done by mm. sharing that experience and you being able to have your own voice in that paper mm. and not just Ali's interpretation of of what you might what what your experience might have been in, indeed I think with um normal means of psychotherapy and I'm not not knocking them completely but it, I often felt like a vehicle for their testing out of their various psychotherapeutic modes of, of treatment and there's often like ta-da moments for the therapist see I told you I could make my thing work you know and they're embossing you with this gold standard therapy approach of traumatized stabilized traumatized stabilized look how well I'm doing um, but the person was lost in that because they're approving their vehicle rather than healing the recipient and Neil, what were the key aspects, do you think? I mean, you've probably touched on many of these during the conversation, but what were the key aspects of art therapy that made it really transformative for you? Well, my initial response to that was that for the first time ever, I could clearly share images of my experience. It could be exorcised um, from within and um, sitting there on a piece of paper other people could see it for what it is without me needing to speak about it. It was the first time ever I'd shared any of my most, I'll have to use the word horrific, experiences. You know, and to have that witnessed and for other people to see it for what it is and not for it to sit with inside me with my child self-judgment about how I was in that situation. And, and it also enabled me to objectively view the experience. If I if I saw that on the front of a newspaper, I'd be horrified and the headline would read accordingly, you know. Um, and so to be able to sit back and look at that picture objectively and say, oh my God, that is horrific. And that, that person it's being done to is a victim, not somehow uh, a person who's coerced that behaviour from somebody else upon themselves. And so it did shift a lot of the guilt and the blame and the understanding and allowed me to process that experience in a much deeper and more informative way so that next time I experience those flashbacks it might not be so impacting or I might come to it with, with different levels of understanding about the image of self that I was seeing. And also the second point is most of my experiences as a child all of the people who were the cause of my trauma were giants. I was a small child. These people were giants with obviously powers that I, I, I imbued them with far beyond the supernatural. They could get you anywhere. They could do anything. Everything that they said would come true. Um, whereas when you see it 
drawn and you see your small self and this big adult, they, they lose that monster status. They, they're stripped of their powers and they just become perpetrators. So it was incredibly powerful when that finally hit me. It sounds like it. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, Ali, Neil and I are supporting you in preparing a special trauma-focused edition of the International Journal of Art Therapy. Could you say a bit more about this? Yes, so this is very exciting, I think. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's lots and lots of art psychotherapists out there worldwide working with people who've experienced trauma, both adults and children, working in lots of different ways. You know, the way that Neil and I work together is one particular approach, but there are many approaches that would come under the umbrella of art psychotherapy. So um, there's going to be a special issue of the International Journal of Art Therapy, which will include research papers and practice papers about innovative ways of working um, and also opinion pieces. So that would be original ideas that are evidence informed. So they'll be gathered together in a special issue. Um, and as you say, you, Naomi and Neil and I are all uh, guest co-editors um, for that. Uh, we're very much hoping there'll be a real diversity of, you know, authors, um, client groups, contexts, um, and we want to kind of foreground the, the lived experience um, aspect of it and, you know, client voices. So we're hoping to get uh, lots and lots of submissions for that. Deadline is the end of March. That's fine. Such an exciting project to be involved with and we'll share a link um, in our show notes for anyone who might be interested in submitting something. Thank you very much. That's been a fantastic conversation and hopefully it'll have whetted the appetites for people who might consider submitting an article. Thanks very much indeed. I thought, among other things, that was a terrific description of the gradualness of the therapeutic process so thanks a lot for that